Welcome to Closer Look. I'm Maria Morgan. Maybe you've seen their trucks on the freeway as they drive by. My special guest is Convoy of Hope's Ethan Forhats. Hi, Maria. How are you today? I am good. Thank you for good. stopping in, chatting with us about what's going on with Convoy of Hope. Maybe a little taste of what's happening 2023. Let's start with this, though. When you meet someone who's never heard of Convoy of Hope, what do you say? Uh, I first say that, well, Convoy does a lot of things. Uh, what we do is we feed children around the world more than 465,000 kids every school day. Uh, we empower women to, to start jobs and to start businesses where they're able to provide for their families and in cultures where the, the man has many times left them with the children alone and they aren't able to, to fend for themselves otherwise. We teach people around the world how to farm their land uh, so that they can end generational poverty and pass those those ideas down the line to their kids and grandkids and get them out of generational poverty. And then we also help with community events in this country where we go to communities all across the country, rural and big cities, and we hand out supplies that people need. And, and we're finding that people need those supplies more than ever now as inflation is uh, as near a 40-year high as, as we all know and we see when we go to the grocery store. And then I think the thing we're most known for is responding to disasters whether it's uh, humanitarian, like a war in Ukraine, or a hurricane like Hurricane Ian that hit Florida, um, we respond with essential supplies that people need to begin to get their lives back together. And as we're doing that, what we're truly giving people is hope. And that is the overall mission of Convoy of Hope, just to give people hope. We'll talk about some of those events and ministries specifically here in a few moments, but can you trace Convoy's growth for me? I know uh, Convoy started in 1994. Hal Donaldson kicked it off with just a few events that he called Care Days. And then after he moved to Springfield, he got a, a truck, a semi-truck from a local businessman and a year's supply of gas. And that is what I know. Start from there and bring us forward. That's how it started. It's amazing. And, and the story even before that involves Mother Teresa, Hal Donaldson, the founder, uh, when he was a kid, he had three siblings. Their father was killed in a drunk driving crash instantly. Uh, their mother was in the hospital for about a year. Uh, they were on poverty, on welfare. They lived with a kind family from their church in a single wide trailer with 10 other people for about a year. So he learned in, during that time what it was to live in poverty, what it was to go without. And he also learned during that time period what it was to rely on the kindness of strangers. And he saw that in a real way that changed his life and has changed many more since then. Uh, growing up, uh, he went to school and became a, a journalist, uh, was writing a book about famed missionaries, the Bontains in India, and was traveling to India as part of that. And he got an interview with Mother Teresa for that book he was helping write. And during that interview, Mother Teresa turned the tables on Hal Donaldson and said, young man, what are you doing to help the poor and the suffering? And he figured it was not a good idea to lie to Mother Teresa. No. <laughs> so, so he told her the truth and he felt bad about it. But he said, well, I'm, I'm not doing much of anything. Uh, and she said, everyone can do something. And he says those words haunted him on his flight back to the United States. And even during uh, his time back when he got back and he prayed about it, he read the Bible and, and found out that, well, you know what? Everyone can do something. What can I do? Uh, so Convoy of Hope started uh, with him and about, $600 worth of groceries. He spent his money, bought groceries, and he drove around in a neighborhood delivering those groceries 
to people who needed help. That is the genesis of Convoy of Hope. Uh, since then, we have grown from that one truck that was donated by an incredible businessman here in the Springfield, Missouri area uh, to a fleet of trucks, more than 30 semi-tractor trailers, uh, an entire fleet of disaster response vehicles, uh, a team of people in this country and around the world that meet the needs of people uh, all over the place, all over this globe. Uh, and, and again, what we're giving is hope. And just this year, uh, we're thrilled to be able to surpass 200 million people served. And it's amazing to reflect back on how it started with just a small neighborhood and uh, the back of a pickup truck uh, and, and giving those supplies out. Uh, you know, the, the first person, there was one person that got some bags of groceries. Uh, and then to hit 200 million this year is, is really just a testament to how the Lord has grown this organization, how he's breathed on it, how his hand continues to remain on it. We are expecting to hit $2 billion worth of supplies given out since the founding of Convoy of Hope. So Incredible. from $600 in groceries to more than $2 billion is, is mind-blowing, really. I'm reminded of the simple phrase that everyone has heard that ends up on bumper stickers and in coffee shop drive throughs pay it forward. He received right. kindness and he paid it forward and, and here we are. My guest is Ethan Forhetz of Convoy of Hope. So as you said, Convoy is most known going 55 miles an hour down the freeway. The semi-trucks that people see, the tractor trailers that roll in after a disaster. What does a uh, convoy deployment to a disaster zone look like? Well, I've been able to go on a few of these now in my time at Convoy of Hope. And it really, it's a feeling unlike anything else because as the, the literal Convoy of Hope from Convoy of Hope is driving down into, let's, let's just use Hurricane Ian. That's the most recent big hurricane that we've responded to, Category 4 down in, in Florida. Uh, we had, I think, 17 vehicles as part of that convoy driving down into Florida. And we, you know, we could see the hurricane coming in advance. That's the one good thing about a hurricane. Uh, so we were able to leave ahead of time so we could station ourselves outside of the hurricane zone. So then, then once the storm passes, we can immediately move in. But riding in that convoy is really an incredible feeling. It feels like uh, and I could say this because I'm not the boots on the ground doing the work that our incredible disaster services team is doing, but and and they are the best in the business. Uh, but it's an amazing feeling, like the, you're part of the cavalry coming in because other people are heading the opposite direction as we're moving down into the disaster zone. And police make way for us many times so that we can get through. Uh, people honk and wave and say thank you. Uh, there was a one of our truck drivers had a had a, a gentleman at a truck stop give him a hundred dollar bill and say, "Hey, go do some good with this." It's just things like that where we see the, the the gratefulness and the gratitude of the people who were moving in to help, and even the people who aren't affected by the storm. They they want to be on our team. They want to be part of the convoy going down, uh, even though they're not in the convoy. So. It's a remarkable feeling. Uh, and then to see the people in, in the lines, uh, hundreds, thousands, hundreds of people, thousands of people lining up uh, to get those relief supplies and just being so thankful for something as simple as a case or two of bottled water and some groceries and, and water filters and tarps and, and the things that we're able to give out. Catch us up on the needs that you've met. Let's touch on Convoy's hope to places struck by Ian, struck by Fiona even. 
Sure. Yeah. And if you don't hit Puerto Rico, we're still there working in Puerto Rico. We're still down in Florida. We're, we're moving now to more of a long-term uh, strategy and response to the Florida Hurricane Ian situation. Uh, immediately, you know, the needs change over time. Now that the power's back on for everybody in the Fort Myers area, and people are able to get their roofs fixed up a little bit, at least tarps on them. It's moved away a little bit from the the water and the food and the hygiene kits that people need because their their bathrooms are messed up and the cleaning supplies to deal with the flash flooding. Uh, those are all the sorts of things we give out immediately following the storm. And to this point, we're still giving those out, but but not as much as we were in the days after. Uh, we've given out more than two point two million pounds of supply to more than 115,000 people. Uh, a big part of what Convoy does is partner with churches. We partnered with 43 churches in the Fort Myers area and other organizations to, to help this response take place. 1,500 uh, volunteers have joined us down there. I remember the first Saturday after the storm hit in, in Fort Myers, Hurricane Ian, and that was our first day of distribution. We, we were on a church parking lot and uh, that church called on its army of volunteers, which is, which is what makes Convoy of Hope such a great model for how we respond. We called on the church and their volunteers to do a lot of the work. So they had 200 volunteers show up to stand out on a parking lot for six, seven hours and put a case of water into the trunk of a car Next car, case of water in or bag of groceries, or some people were motioning people through the drive-through line. Other people were just shouting words of encouragement, uh, praying for people if they wanted prayer. It's just amazing to see it all happen. Uh, so more than fifteen hundred volunteers have uh, have come forward already to this point to work with us and to help their neighbor. Uh, and we've served. 24 communities in the Fort Myers area with uh, the supplies that they need. So it's a major response. And, and now we're looking at the long-term response. Uh, and, and just to give you, people always say, well, how long are you going to be there? And I always say, I don't know. But for example, we're still down working long-term in Louisiana following Hurricane Ida. So our, our response can be sometimes very long-term, years, plural, as we help people get appliances and uh, furniture for their homes, sometimes new roofs, uh, sheetrock inside their houses needs needs to come out and be replaced. Uh, there's a lot of things that a lot of people need. And in those long-term situations, uh, we do a little bit of homework and we make sure that the people we're helping uh, are people who are underinsured and they need our help. Like I understand with Hurricane Ida, convoy teams are coming in what what's being called recovery events, bringing yes. in insurance specialists, mental health professionals. Some people need lawyers. Um, they need to be talked through how to make claims, how to get what they need. And of course, they need smiles and hugs. And that's even a year or years after a hurricane. Yeah, it could go on for a very long time. There are a lot of different needs uh, and we have a lot of great partners. So we're able to to partner with groups that come in and can offer those specialties uh, that maybe Convoy can't, but we can facilitate it because our teams know so well the needs that are going to come in the immediate aftermath. Then we shift to a medium term, we shift to a long term, and all of that is part of it. My guest is Ethan Forhetz of Convoy of Hope, talking with me about 2022 and maybe what's coming up in 2023 for Convoy of Hope and helping around the world. How does Convoy decide which disaster to 
respond to. You've already said how long you stay. It unfolds as time goes on. But how does Convoy decide which thing to go to, which thing to commit to? Well, we prepare as if we're going to be needed for every disaster that we hear about, uh, you know, the, the bigger disasters like uh, Hurricane Nicole, it's a category one hurricane that hit Florida in the month of November, which is rare to begin with. Uh, but we were waiting to see that wasn't an obvious one for us because it wasn't a category four storm. It wasn't a major hurricane. When there's a major hurricane, we prepare because we've already been in touch with our contacts on the ground. They know they're going to need our help. But there are other situations where we're not sure if they need us. And, and we like to wait to be invited in. We never want to presume and go barging into a situation where we're not wanted because that has happened in the past. There are sometimes uh, tornadoes, for instance, that hit neighborhoods uh, that don't necessarily need Convoy of Hope's help. They have insurance. By the time we get there, they already have their own tree crews cutting down the trees and helping with all of that. Uh, so uh, to be good stewards, we wait to be invited. And we're usually invited in by our church partners. They know the community so well. They know the needs of the community. They know where the storm hit. There are eyes and ears on the ground. And they can give us real-time information about what the need is and whether we're needed there uh, during a particular situation. Partnerships do seem to be the secret sauce of yeah. Convoy's success. Um, I, I see the word strategic partnerships often. That is what I've heard that you do, that you reach into existing organizations and say, hey, what can we do to help? Ethan, last time we checked in with you, um, um, it was on the heels of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And that, of course, it was a surprise storm. No one expected. Uh, and of course, the war did not end soon as hoped. Convoy rolled into Poland um, right on the border fairly early on. Catch us up on the needs that you've met in Ukraine so far. Well, yeah, the the... The Ukraine situation continues to be a, just a, a desperate situation, and the winter months are are the hardest months. Uh, I was just over in Romania as part of our response to uh, the war in Ukraine. There was an orphanage there that had to be evacuated into Romania, and we went over there uh, to to just see the orphanage, to see how um, it was being uh, helped there. The kids were being treated, and and what's what Convoy of Hope is doing is supplying the food for that orphanage. And uh, food is a big part of what Convoy is doing, as we also uh, send in truckloads of groceries and supplies on almost a daily basis into Ukraine. We are currently working in 14 countries in Ukraine and around Ukraine uh, to work on really meals. That's the biggest thing that we're doing. We have pledged 50 million meals for the people of Ukraine. Uh, and that's for people inside the country, for refugees who have left, uh, because they, they're desperate. They just need the help. Um, the supply chain is cut off for many of them. The bombings continue. Uh, the cold weather is, is, is I mean, it, it's cold here, but, but when you get over there, it's a different kind of cold. And it's, it's a life-changing, uh, life-threatening cold in that part of the world. So we're, we're helping with food as best we can and other supplies uh, just to give the people over there some hope that they can make it through this, that tomorrow is going to be a better day. And really 
just knowing that people around the world care about their plight and we care about them as human beings. Food, certainly always number one uh, for survival. But in, in, as you mentioned, Ukraine's winter, uh, different kind of cold. Convoy has even spent money and time and effort to send space heaters. Yeah, it's, it's we try to meet whatever need there is. And you talked about partnerships. We're blessed with great corporate partners that come through uh, big time whenever we need them for certain things like space heaters. We have a team of people who can, you know, they've got they've got numbers on their personal phones. They can just pick up the phone and call and say, hey, this particular company, I know you deal with this sort of thing. Here's what we need. Here's what the people of Ukraine need. Is there a way you could help out? And we're so blessed by the corporations that are able to produce a lot of, of what we give out. Uh, then it's up to us to get it there, to get it to the right people uh, so that it's it's properly utilized in as, as short amount of time as possible. My name is Maria Morgan. This is Closer Look. My guest is Ethan Foreheads of Convoy of Hope. Convoy is taking care of people around the world, providing hope. Maybe you've seen their trucks on the freeway as they drive by. Ethan, there are diverse initiatives in Convoy, taking care of different people, different needs. What can you say about how those things are connected? We've discussed disaster services. You also have women's empowerment and you address agriculture and there are community events, at least there were before COVID and I'm hoping in the future. Um, What do these things have in common? Why does Convoy have each of those as pillars, as initiatives? Well, we're getting back to those community events uh, this coming year uh, in full force. We believe they will be back and, and will really be able to make an impact for a lot of people in, in big cities and rural cities uh, as we give them supplies that they need, shoes, socks, groceries, whatever it is. But but the thing I think that that we want to, we want to, we strive to do is in generational poverty. That's our goal, top to bottom. We don't mind feeding the kids in the food lines today or the people in the food lines today. But what we want to do is empower them to get out of the food lines so that their children and their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren aren't in those food lines. Uh, and, and we believe they can do it. They just need some help. Uh, sometimes it's agriculture. Sometimes it's, it's helping women in different countries come up with a job skill and then come alongside them to help them with equipment to start a business, help them with the financial ability to balance the books and have a staff and pay the staff and just take care of all of that. Uh, It's amazing what our women's empowerment program is able to do. We did a study in Ethiopia six years after we had uh, taken several women through the women's empowerment program there. And we were happy to say that 100% of the women that went through our program six years later were still in business. 100%? 100%. Every single woman. It, it's amazing. But when whenever they're told that they can and they have someone come alongside them and show them that they can, they thrive. We see it time and time again. And many of them are, are so grateful to the program that they they give back to the program some of what they make, some of their profits, because they want to see other women be as successful as they are and go through the program and learn what they've learned. So it's 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 incredible. And you're doing that in 16 countries. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. But our, our people really, uh, they know how to do it. They, they have it streamlined. They have a great system for putting it into place. 
And, and all they need then is buy-in from the people involved. And, and we know that it will work because it's worked time and time again. You've also focused on agriculture, as you said. You're you're hoping to convoy is hoping to teach people how to feed themselves. So there have been high level expert trainings on farming and soil production, soil research, and weather research. And tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, we we have our own soil and agriculture experts on hand, and they really know what it takes in other countries. Uh, to grow crops, to grow the right crops. And that's very important. Uh, We have a great story on our website from Nepal following the earthquake there in, I think, 2015. A village there was decimated. Uh, They they were in our food lines. We were feeding people. And and we said, this would be a great place to set up agriculture and to, to put our agriculture program into effect. And so we did. And we had great buy-in from the people in that village and one year after Convoy of Hope was there, there's a gentleman in the story uh, that talks about he had been making 1,500 rupees. And since Convoy of Hope came in, showed him how to farm, one year later, he's making 60,000 rupees. Wow. Now, Maria, I don't know how much a rupee is, <laughs> but I can tell you that if you go from 1,500 to 60,000 of anything, jelly beans, right. that's an unbelievable increase. That's a life-changing increase. And that's what we're seeing time and time again, is that, that those skills, those farming skills can be passed down to generations. And now they're no longer in the food line. They can supply not only for their families, but for other villages and receive income for that. Uh, And it's really, this village in particular has become the model for all of Nepal. In fact, the tea that they grow there is now sought after tea, tea leaves uh, that people use in tea. It's, It's amazing. My guest is Ethan Forhetz of Convoy of Hope, talking with me about 2022 and maybe what's coming up in 2023. Let's let's talk domestically. Let's talk the United States. You mentioned community events, which should be kicking in again soon uh, uh, as we come out of the pandemic. You also have a rural initiatives. Rural means relational, I read. Um, going into events and just finding out what people need. We do. And, and, and that's another time when we really rely on and utilize partnerships because for those rural events and even many of the community events, we go and we partner with an organization, maybe a church in a, in a town that's in a, in a rural area. And we go in and we let them handle the distribution. We supply them with all the product uh, that they need. And then they put together the distribution. Uh, so then it's the people are looking to their community church for help. And that's where the help is coming from. It's not coming from Convoy of Hope, this organization uh, that's in a different city. It's coming from within their own community. Uh, and that's another great way that we partner with churches because, you know, once Convoy of Hope, whether it's a disaster or it's a rural initiative where we go in and have these one day uh, distributions, when Convoy of Hope rolls our trucks out, the church is still there. And the church can minister to the greater needs that people have. And those are spiritual needs. And once the walls come down about, you know, I, I think a lot of people have a reluctance to go into a church building. But once they they see the church being the church outside the church, it can really open them up to church and to the gospel and, and just to... Uh, allowing that to impact their life in in new ways. Seems like Convoy has found that a bag of groceries or a pair of shoes or a haircut 
can even be the way to spark hope that leads to someone being able to feed themselves, not only physically, but spiritually eventually. My name is Maria Morgan. This is Closer Look. I'm talking with Ethan Forhats of Ministry Partner, Convoy of Hope. So you have big milestones coming up. Want to give me a recap of that? What is Convoy excited about right now? We're excited about the future. We've been growing uh, at, a, at a pretty good clip here lately. Uh, as we see the need grow in this country and around the world. And, and again, now with inflation being the way it is there, there are so many more Americans who are living paycheck to paycheck and just struggling to put food on the table. So uh, we're excited about as we get community events back up and running, we're, we're planning a hundred or so community events this coming year. Uh, that's roaring back, I would say, Maria, <laughs> after COVID. Uh, and we had, we had many uh, in 2022 as well. But we're excited just about the opportunity we have uh, to help more people. We have a, a new campus uh, that we're building a new headquarters on that will really put us in a position uh, to grow into the future and to be prepared to handle what's going on. There's this famine uh, that's, that's really uh, getting worse by the day in Africa. That's a big story that I think you'll be seeing a lot about in 2023 on your news, uh, as you watch the news, I think it'll be covered more. Convoy has been on the, the ground floor of that, trying to do what we can to prevent uh, the famine, to try to, to scale it back as much as possible. Uh, and then as it grows to help the people who are impacted by the famine in Africa. So there, there are no shortage of needs out there uh, and that's not even counting the the natural disasters that we don't know yet about. But you are preparing for. We are prepared for it. Our, our disaster services team is really like a group of firefighters who are ready for that bell to ring. Uh, it helps when it's a hurricane that we can see coming. We can prepare in advance, but uh, a lot of times it's not. It's a wildfire that gets out of control. It's an earthquake. It's a, a tornado that pops up. Uh, flooding. We've had many flooding events this year. We've had many water crises in the United States, which is a little strange uh, for this country to experience so many, so many water crises. But let's take the Jackson, Mississippi water crisis, for example. Uh, we went down there, helped people for, for weeks with bottled water, safe drinking water after flooding from a storm revealed big problems with the city's water supply that are still being fixed. I mean, those, those problems still need to be fixed because they're, they're major problems. Uh, but we were in there, down there supplying them with a lot of the water that, that the good folks in Jackson, Mississippi were drinking. Convoy is a huge organization with many initiatives as we've, as we've reviewed. How many people work for Convoy and uh, what does it look like going forward with the new headquarters? We're about up to 400 internationally now. And, and now it's, it's interesting. Uh, our founder, Hal Donaldson, and current CEO and president, uh, was just pointing out that we're getting to the point now where we, have, uh, we will soon have more international employees than we do employees working in the United States. And that just goes to show the reach of this organization uh, and, and where things are going, uh, going forward, what the future is. Uh, so we're excited about the new global headquarters and training center that will allow us to bring groups in for training, especially agriculture on this campus where we have uh, about 200 acres. We're going to be putting up greenhouses 
that replicate climates in different parts of the world. So then when we go over to help them with agriculture, we know exactly what grows well there. Uh, we don't have to guess at it or even an educated guess. We will know exactly what works because we've already put it into practice in our greenhouses and, and seen it pay off. A lot of things to look forward to for 2023. Absolutely. It's going to be a great year. Uh, we're grateful for the partnership. Uh, means a lot to Convoy of Hope. So thank you. Thank you to Ethan Foreheads of Convoy of Hope for giving us a Convoy of Hope update. If you'd like to know more about Convoy of Hope's disaster relief and sustainability programs in the United States and worldwide, visit their website, convoyofhope.org. That's convoyofhope.org.